Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 1404, air date February 29th, 2024. All right, everyone, this is Dr. Shiva Adure. We are doing our live here that we typically do. Um, it's a town hall that we do every um, Thursdays. And it's an opportunity, oops, I got to get rid of this. It's an opportunity for people really to uh, get more in-depth understanding of our campaign. And that's what we do. So, but every week we do a different topic. Last week was it was on healthcare. This week it's going to be on uh, the environment. And something I want to get very, very detailed into um, is genetically engineered foods. Um, also known, the acronym, even though it says GE foods, it's also known as GMOs, uh, genetically modified organisms. So a lot of people don't know what a GMO is. Um, and I think it's important for people to understand what a GMO is. So we'll go through that. And then we're going to go through the false equivalence that was created as the big lie. So today's talk is you know, MIT PhD reveals a big lie about GMOs. So in, if you go back, look in the, uh, around 2010, 13, 14, 15 period, uh, this became a very, very big issue because of the incredible push Monsanto was doing. And, um, and uh, in between 2010 is um, when I uh, had just finished up my PhD in systems biology and I was, I had not done a lot of stuff in plant biology, but mainly in human uh, biological systems. But I became, um, in some ways, uh, I always grew up in a, in a world where I had uh, a farm, you know, in, involved in agriculture and farms with my grandparents, where nothing was GMO, everything was always organic and never even thought about this. But obviously genetically engineered foods um, became a major reality. And what I wanna share with you is I was, um, walking down the MIT, um, uh, I was walking literally down the MIT hall. Um, I think this was in 2013 or 14. I'll share with you the PowerPoint here so everyone can see it. And what I noticed something um, interesting was this, okay? Um, let me stop sharing this. All right, so let me go to StreamYard here. And I'm gonna share, let me just share this from, um, so I want to. I put together a PowerPoint for you guys, um, and this is a piece of research that I present. I presented all over the world, um, and let me bring this back to you guys, uh, to also the people on um, in in the on social media. So this is a, a a set of slides that I had put together at the time to really educate a lot of people about what was going on. Uh, with the discoveries that I'd uncovered. So we can walk through this now. So if you see the slides that Chris, everyone can see the slides. Okay. So if you notice um, this interesting article um, had come out um, in, I think 2013, uh, 2014, you guys can all see it, right? Um, on the front page of MIT Technology Review. And I think it says 2014. Yeah, it's January 2014. And uh, let me just look closer. Uh, yeah, January 2014. And you can see MIT Technology Review is known as one of the leading 
um, tech journals in the world, if not the most quote unquote prestigious one. I was actually on the front page of it many, many years ago for inventing Echo Mail. So it's a big honor to be on here, but I was really upset because I was walking down the MIT Infinite Quarter to see a professor of mine. Uh, I was at that time teaching a course and this said MIT Technology Review um, and it said buy fresh, buy GMO. And you wanna really look at this carefully. So many of you may have seen the logo buy fresh, buy local, right? So this was MIT openly promoting um, genetically engineered foods. And, you know, it's got a picture of, I think, maybe some spinach here and some um, strawberries here. And then it says population growth and climate change will make it harder to feed the world. We need to overcome our fears of genetically modified food. So you can see they're linking this whole thing called climate change. Climate does change. Um, but um, linking the fake science of being able to model it and associating CO2 increase um, uh, uh, with the increase in temperature, which I've done many, many videos on. So this would seem like a total advertorial. So linking climate change with justifying why everything must go GMOs. And this is MIT using their um, prestige as a technology institution to basically convince the rest of the world that we need GMOs, all right? So that's, a, that's what this was. So you have to really, really look at this. And um, at this time, I didn't really know a lot about genetically engineered foods, but I knew about molecular pathways. I had created Cytosolve. Um, it was 2007 when I'd created it. Between 2007 to 14, I'd written a lot of papers. We were getting a lot of um, prestige in this technology, okay? So when you look at this article, it really made me wonder why they were saying this. And I started, If at that time, there was a lot of news out there like this um, in Bloomberg Businessweek, which says, don't hate me because I'm beautiful. A lot of ads and major news articles that were appearing on front page and really sponsored by Monsanto. You know, here's a family dancing around a genetically engineered corn saying how beautiful it is. Don't hate me because I'm beautiful, okay? Um, and it says, I think it says Monsanto's battle uh, against GMO deniers or something, okay? All right, climate deniers, GMO deniers. Um, and then this article came out in the Atlantic going the other way, the very real danger of genetically modified foods. So this is pro-GMO, anti-GMO. Um, and then this was on the front page of the Village Voice, the, the Monsanto menace uh, by Chris Parker, as you can see with a DNA mill rolling down the hall, um, you know, down a cornfield. So the real issue was, what I noticed was pro-GMO and non-GMO. And this was a massive struggle. And the average public was always gets confused, right? So I wanted to find out what the truth was in this. And, you know, for me, the truth always goes back to scientific principles. So, um, so let's just step back a little bit. So the issue is, if you saw the Hulk and you saw Steve Banner, right, what's the difference? Same person, but what's the difference, right? Now imagine someone trying to say that these two people are the same. Obviously they're two different creatures, even though they may have, uh, they may be in the same physical body, but they're completely transformed. So what I recognized was that the entire discussion that no one in the pro or anti-GMO movement really wanted to discuss was this, 
how were they determining that a genetically engineered food, like a genetically engineered tomato, was equivalent to a non-genetically engineered one? It was just all this argument. Oh, we don't want to eat GMOs. They're bad. They're going to kill our kids. You're manipulating DNA. And then the other group saying, no, they're obviously, there's no big deal. Okay. So the question really is, what is the difference? Is there a difference? All right. So this is the heart of something called equivalence. And as I dug through this, you know, when I go into a problem, I really uh, dive deep into it. And I noticed this concept called substantial equivalence, substantial equivalence. And most of the people in the anti-GMO movement hadn't even, didn't even know what this was about. They'd just been like fighting the GMO and there were, and there were all these anti-GMO groups um, making tons of money, telling people how horrible they were. And then the pro-GMO groups were saying how great they were. So both groups were just like the Vax, no Vax movement in this big thing, no one really being educated. So if you go recall in the in that movement in the 2019 in the vac vaccine, we said it's beyond vax and anti-vax. We have to really look at the immune system. So our movement really always goes at the real issue because you have a real scientist, a real engineer who's put in his time, not a booby fucking Kennedy, just talking a bunch of shit, filing bogus lawsuits, um, taking people's money um, or sending emails out both sides, right? And that's what you see, Worldwide Wrestling Federation on either side. So the real issue is what is there a difference and what is the difference? And that this was something um, of substantial importance that was really at the heart of the whole issue. I hope everyone's following. So if you got a GMO tomato and a non-GMO tomato, the Monsanto is going to say it's the same. And then the pro or the anti-GMO people, no, no, it's different. But how? They can't explain it. You follow what I'm saying? And at this time, um, there was a guy called Kevin Folta, F-O-L-T-A. He was the professor out of one of the big leading institutions um, in uh, funded by one of the large uh, universities. Um, and he was saying they're absolutely the same, no issue. And he would get a lot of play on the mainstream media. So he'd be on Fox News, CNN, everywhere saying these are absolutely fine, et cetera. Joe Rogan had him on. And I'll get back to this. Uh, Rogan would put him on, even though a lot of his friends said, hey, you should listen to Dr. Shiva. He is a real scientist who's a real opposition to Kevin Folta, and he has other evidence. Rogan started following me at the time, but he never put me on. In spite of his friend, Eddie Bravo, I think has been on Rogan's show 120 times, who said, hey, why don't you have Shiva on? Why don't you have Dr. Shiva on? Why don't you have Dr. Shiva on? Nothing. And, and so... So I really wanted to do the research. What is the difference? They look the same. They're both red tomatoes. They're, you know, they look the same. Or here's a soybean, a genetically modified soy, and, and, and not, they look the same. So how were they different? Okay, and you have to get to the heart of it. So again, this is where the politics come in. And so you have to really study the politics. This is why um, it's really, really important for the American people to have someone like me as their president, because I actually know the science I study regulations. I study the politics. We interconnect truth, freedom, and health. So what I uncovered, again, all of these anti-GMO people hadn't even bothered to look at this stuff. It's really so fucked up because they're just in there fighting all day um, and they really don't do the research. But there's people who are leading them who are making money all day on both sides. All right. So in 1976, there was a program called the 
substantial equivalence in pre-market notification called a 510K guidance for industry and food and drug administration staff, which was signed into administration in 1976 by Gerald Ford. So Gerald Ford signed into law this uh, guidance document called substantial equivalence. All right, 1976. So what is this about? So why was this important? At that time, this was very, very important for the following reason. Um, in the 1970s, the United States government really wanted to support innovation. So let's say um, there was somebody, uh, and this was particularly in the area of medical products. So there could be somebody who, um, let's say, created a stethoscope, invented the st stethoscope. Okay, stethoscope was inv invented long before that, but just by way of example. And it took them, it would take them a long time because the stethoscope is, is a medical device. You're going to use it in a hospital. So you have to get FDA approval on that. All um, the Food and Drug Administration approves, um, you know, drugs. Um, they also are involved in devices. Okay. So the Food and Drug Administration had a policy that if you wanted to get a device approved, by the Food and Drug Administration it would have to go to seven to nine years worth of allowances. Like you had to produce documentation, you had to show it wasn't going to harm the person, all this kind of stuff. All right. Um, so if someone put out a stethoscope and they got it after nine years approved, um, it would take about nine years, not approved to get allowed. That's a key term. The FDA never says we approve anything. We allow stuff. It's a big uh, terminology they have. All right. Let's say after you spent nine years of R&D and you got your stethoscope allowed by the FDA, now you're selling it. Let's say a few years later, you make a very small little itsy weeny teeny weeny change. So maybe when you applied for your FDA allowance, that allowance for was for a stethoscope, which was, and the color of it was white. All right. Now let's say after all this allowance, after you have it on the market, you say, wow, there's a really a big opportunity. Everyone, everyone wants pink colored stethoscopes. Okay. Now, before the law of substantial equivalence, and I'm giving again an example, you would have to go through another seven to nine year process, even though it was a little itsy teeny weeny tweak. Or let's say you change the size of the pad that went on the ears. You may have to go through a whole nother allowance process. So, Inventors were saying, wait a minute, you know, I got to wait another nine years. And this blue or this white stethoscope is the same as the pink one. So therefore, this law called substantial equivalence was put into play. And it, and it was a good thing because it basically said, if the manufacturer can show the other thing that they produce is substantially equivalent, it would be fast-tracked in about, I think, 16 months, right? So they don't have to wait nine years. Everyone following? So this was a process of really um, helping uh, inventors. And so this became what was called substantial equivalence. And in this policy of substantial equivalence, how did it work? So you, as the creator, when you're creating something substantially equivalent, you would submit to the FDA criteria that you would say, look, these are the five things that make a stethoscope a stethoscope. And all I did uh, was change this one little thing. It doesn't really affect it. It's substantially equivalent. So the law allowed you as the manufacturer 
Um, and by the way, this was at the 510K program, evaluating substantial equivalents by the FDA. And what it said was a manufacturer should directly, should clearly identify the technological characteristics of each device individually. Again, it was for devices. For FDA to evaluate whether differences exist between the technological characteristics of the new device and the predicate devices, the manufacturer should clearly identify the technological characteristics of each device individually, okay? So again, I went through all this stuff and I dug all this stuff up from 1976, went through the original documents. So I, as a manufacturer, would basically tell the FDA, hey, here, the, the, I get to decide which are the technological characteristics and I just have to show their equivalent, okay? But the onus and the proof and the freedom was given to the manufacturer. So it's quite a bit of leeway that the FDA gave, right? All right. So this became the law of substantial equivalence. All right. So equivalence. So if you really study, so the equivalence of stethoscope A to B depends on the characteristics or the criteria that are selected. Right. So it's sort of you could you could, you know, cheat people. So based on which criteria you selected, that would determine the equivalence. OK. Now, if you think about a medical device and you compare a medical device to the human being, a human organism, a medical device doesn't have as many parts, okay? A human organism has millions of parts that are interconnected. A medical device, I don't know, may have a hundred parts, right? So so basically a human organism is so incredibly complex compared to a medical device, all right? But this is the background. Again, no one in the pro-GMO or anti-GMO movement really educated the public on this until I came upon this and really understood what the hell's going on. All right. So that's the background. So now go to soybeans. Why do I pick soybeans? Soybeans are the number one most genetically engineered crop in the United States. The number one most genetically engineered crop in the United States. Okay. That's quite significant. All right. So if you, um, uh, if you have pets, for example, I was talking to my vet, you know, uh, pets get all these allergies, if you notice, because all the poultry in the United States, most of it, you may go to a farm. Oh, I went to an organic farm. It's great. They have great meat. Ask them what they're feeding the poultry. Ask them where they're feeding the turkeys. They're feeding them GMO soy. And most people will not tell you this. So we were for months buying our dogs all this, uh, you know, uh, you know, organic turkey, farm-raised, and they were starting to get all these itching and different problems. And I'm saying, what the hell's going on? So I said, hey, um, do you, are your turkeys pasture-raised? Yes. Um, are they organic? And the guy was silent. I go, what do you feed your turkeys? Oh, we feed them soy. We feed them genetically engineered soy. So genetically engineered soy is everywhere. It is the most number one genetically engineered product in the United States. Okay. Soybean oil is everywhere. You go to restaurants, it's everywhere. It's completely in the food supply. So we decided, so Monsanto, by the way, produces um, Roundup Ready Soy, RRS. They created a version of soybeans, which is genetically engineered. And we'll get to this. And Monsanto got that soybean allowed by the FDA by proving, by quote unquote, proving to the FDA that, hey, the genetically engineered soy is substantially equivalent 
to the organic soy or the wild type soy. You got me? So they, they basically proved to the FDA that the genetically engineered soy is the same as the non-genetically engineered wild type, which means growing in nature or organic soy. How did they do this? <laughs> How do they do this? And if you ask Booby fucking Kennedy, who is making a lot of money off this, uh, he can't explain it, okay? But he can tell you, give me money for it, okay? And this has been the problem again. So I couldn't find anyone who could describe this. So what, fortunately, because of um, the work we had done with Cytosol, we could get to the guts of this and really, really go down to the molecular science, which I'm going to share with you today. All right. So if you go look at, uh, by the way, uh, every plant in the universe, every plant in the universe has a biochemical process. Let me share this again. I think we got to share this with you guys. Every plant in the universe has a biochemical process called C1 metabolism. What is C1 metabolism? It is a engine. All of us are chemical engines, systems of systems of chemical engines. So every plant in the universe, you know, has an engine in there that's common across all plants called C1 metabolism. And a really, really great guy at Purdue University, uh, who is himself a farmer, who's a professor of agriculture who had left Purdue, um, said, Shiva, you're going to, you need to focus on C1 metabolism. You need to apply cytosol to that. So C1 metabolism is a plant, um, is a plant, uh, molecular engine, a system of molecular pathways in plants that sequesters carbon, right? What do plants do, right? Plants take CO2 and then they make oxygen, right? That's why um, it's important that we have plants. So they sequester CO2 and they run it through their own engine and that's how they sequester carbon from nature. So what we did was we said, wow, why don't we really do research on this very fundamental molecular pathway, understand what it is, develop the molecular architecture, mathematically model it with cytosol to understand how plants sequester carbon. And that's what we did. A lot of work. Okay, this took about two years to do. So let me bring this up. Um, and by the way, we funded it ourselves. We didn't go begging for money. We did it on our own time while doing other things. And that's what our movement always does. We do noble service. So we found out there's 17,000 articles on C1. If you go to PubMed, there's 17,618 articles, a lot of articles. So what we did was we ran it through Cytosol. So our technology took all these papers and we extracted the biomolecular pathways in C1 metabolism, okay? What are those pathways that are in C1 metabolism? And then we built an architecture and then we modeled it. And then we try to figure out what is the difference between a organically grown soy and a genetically engineered soy. No one had ever done this. And you wonder why, okay? Um, so what did we first do? So we found out there's, there was about 6,837 experiments in done in 184 scientific institutions across 23 countries. So those 17,000 papers were a ton of work. 
So we took all those papers, ran it through Cytosolve, and what we found was we built an architecture of C1 metabolism. To keep it simple, there are three processes involved in C1 metabolism. First, a plant, methionine, which is an amino acid, synthesizes it. And then it's passed on to another part of the process in the plants called the methylation cycle. And this process actually creates formaldehyde, which you know from, if you remember going to your um, high school uh, biology class, they put formaldehyde is used to preserve dead things, right? Or animals. It's, it's a toxin, okay? So formaldehyde is created in this process, okay, of C1 metabolism. But then the plant um, detoxifies it. So the plant has a detoxification process. So everything is clean. You see, nature is quite holistic. It produces garbage, but it knows how to eat it up and clean it, okay? So this is a C1 metabolism pathway. We discovered this. We found all the little molecular pathways, all the little chemical reactions in methionine biosynthesis, right? These are all the chemical pathways. These are all those minutiae of chemical reactions involved in methionine biosynthesis, methylation cycle, okay? Um, and you notice here, right, in the, in, in the process of doing all of this, right, um, ultimately you have the formaldehyde detoxification pathway. Very important. Formaldehyde here is produced. But guess what? This really, really powerful antioxidant called glutathione. Glutathione interacts with the formaldehyde and reduces it to formate, okay? Which is a detoxified product, which doesn't harm the plant. All right, so just look at that reaction. So when you look at that reaction, you see nature is very, very beautifully conservative. It takes this formaldehyde and makes this chemical, okay? So what this means is under normal conditions, plants do produce formaldehyde, but because they have proper levels of glutathione, which by the way, you need too. Human beings also need glutathione. When you have proper levels of glutathione, your body will automatically, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, detoxify you. It'll, it's a very powerful antioxidant. As you age, your glutathione levels go down. Okay, as you age, your glutathione levels go down. Now, there are certain things you can do to support that. There are certain foods. Um, in human, human beings, there's something called N-acetylcysteine, which is a precursor to glutathione. But the bottom line is, you know, this is sort of conserved in nature where these plants produce glutathione. Uh, I'm sorry, your plants have glutathione, you have glutathione. So it's a vital antioxidant. All right, so we quietly published that in a journal that Monsanto publishes in, called the Journal of Agricultural Sciences, but very quietly. No fanfare was called the discovery of key molecular pathways of C1 metabolism and formaldehyde detoxification. Um, and this was in corn and, and uh, soy, it's the same thing, through a systematics bioinformatics review. So this was all published. No one said anything. The paper was well received. It went through peer review. We got it published. All right. Next thing we did was we said, okay, let us use our technology, Cytosolve, to mathematically model this, you know, without killing plants or animals. So Cytosolve is a very powerful technology where we took all those three molecular mechanisms and we ran it through Cytosolve. And we noticed is 
So the x-axis is time and the y-axis is glutathione levels. So in normal plants, glutathione levels are beautifully maintained, right? So in the normal condition, glutathione is maintained. And guess what? Formaldehyde is detoxified. So here's formaldehyde levels because of glutathione. Um, as a plant produces formaldehyde, it gets detoxed. All right, this is a normal condition. And we did sensitivity analysis. So people wouldn't say our model was nonsense, which means we varied the levels of you know different parameters. And we showed, yep, under all these conditions, formaldehyde gets reduced, all right? And this was published in the American Journal of Plant Sciences, which also a lot of the agri major big ag companies publish in. It was called the modeling of C1 metabolism. That was our second paper. Again, no one said anything, right? So we had laid down the foundations of these two papers to show that plants have glutathione and the glutathione is used to detoxify formaldehyde. All right. Then we recognize that this C1 metabolism system works with many other systems, okay? The shikimic acid metabolism pathway, catalase activity, glyphosate metabolism, you know, adenine, adenosine metabolism, oxidative stress, TH, TFH. So all these are, you don't need to get, get too caught up in these, but, you know, this system doesn't reside on its own. It resides in a system of systems. All right. So we then um, had come to understand that when a plant undergoes a stressful situation, no different than you undergoing a stressful situation, okay? So let's say you're under, you know, mental stress at home or physical stress. Your body um, uses up its glutathione, right? Because it uses, because your body starts producing lots and lots of, um, ox it oxidizes, it starts rusting, it, it ages, right? It's called reactive oxygen species. So your body during a stressful condition, oxidative stress, um, will use up its glutathione, all right? And so when a plant is undergoing drought or some stressful condition, uh, it too will use up its glutathione, right? So we wanted to find out if that was true. So in our third paper, that's what we did. We looked at all the mechanisms of plants' oxidative stress. Like what happens when a plant undergoes oxidative stress? Well, there are various other pathways involved where the plant starts producing reactive oxygen species. By the way, your body does the same thing too. It's got the ascorbate glutathione pathway, which attempts to eat this up. And it's got the lipid peroxidation pathways. And again, we said, okay, we've modeled C1 metabolism, but remember we at Truth From Health, we teach you to think from a systems perspective. So this is a system of systems, C1 metabolism, but it also relates to oxidative stress because when you link this up, now you can model what happens when a plant undergoes drought, all right? So again, these consist of three other subsystems, which we put all this together. And lo and behold, what we notice is without oxidative stress, okay, um, with oxidative stress, that's a red, red, red line, guess what? A plant starts using up its glutathione and it goes to a new baseline. Without oxidative stress, plant's fine. It's got enough glutathione, but when a plant's under stress, it's, it's glutathione levels go down. Does that make sense? If you live in a very polluted environment, you as a human being, your, your glutathione levels will go down. As you age, your glutathione levels go down. Oxidative stress increases. So no different with plants. And guess what? Because you don't have enough glutathione or the plant doesn't, its formaldehyde levels will go up. All right? 
And we again did sensitivity studies to show no matter at different parameter levels, glutathione level drops, formaldehyde level goes up. And we published this in our third paper. It was called the Computational Molecular Systems Integration of Oxidative Stress with C1 Metabolism Demonstrates Upregulation of Formaldehyde and downregulation of glutathione. So this was the first paper in the world ever published that showed that as a plant goes stress, its glutathione levels will drop and its formaldehyde levels will increase. Now, just a fine note here, um, there were farmers in anecdotally in the Midwest who were noticing when they had piles of corn or piles of soy, they noticed that there was higher levels of formaldehyde. And they didn't never knew why. And it was just anecdotal. People just said, oh, okay. So in genetically engineered soy and genetically engineered corn. So um, this started giving us some insights, what was going on. Again, no one said anything about this paper, right? So first we had published our architecture paper on C1 metabolism, the model showing how in normal conditions, plants produce formaldehyde and they detox it with proper levels of glutathione. And then this one, showed what happens when a plant's undergoing stress. All right, everyone following? All right, good. So, and we'll come back to questions. If you have questions, please make some notes. The next thing we did is, by the way, um, we then wanted to find out, okay, could we find any work? What happens when a plant gets genetically engineered? Now, let me stop right here for a second and explain to everyone, um, what is genetic engineering of plants and what they do, okay? And this is the big lie or the the, the nonsense that a lot of these, um, um, uh, a lot of the scientists are doing out there. So let me just share with um, everyone. Um, uh, by the way, to everyone coming in, uh, this is our Truth, Freedom, and Health open house. We want to welcome you uh, to the rest of the world um, here. But we're doing, this is our open house, our town hall on um, Shiva for President, and we're discussing as a part of our environment town hall, we're really, really getting deep and educating the citizens of the world, what is a GMO and the big lie why GMOs are not the same as non-GMOs, all right? Um, no other presidential candidate can explain this to you, wants to explain it to you, because all of them, in addition to being Zionist cocksuckers, they also cocksuck Monsanto and Bayer, they do, all right? These are technical terms that you should write down and educate your kids on. All right, let's talk about now, what is a, uh, why Monsanto and companies built genetically engineered foods, a GMO. So let's explain that. So you have a farmer in the Midwest and the Midwest farms, you know, you have small farmers, you have big farmers. Let's say they're planting soy. All right. now. Farming is not an easy business. You know, if you've ever tried to run any business, it's not easy. You have revenue, you have expenses. Revenue minus expenses equals profit. Um, farming is particularly difficult because of all the variables, weather variables, right? Supply chain variables, uh, you know, pests, all these different kinds of things. So in this very, very difficult model, um, a farmer's always trying to increase their yield, right? They want to plant in a certain body of land so many crops and they want to make sure there's plants come out and then they can sell their soybeans. So most of soybeans were organic for centuries. Now, when those soy plants were growing, 
for all sorts of reasons um, with the destruction of soil. We could get into this, but the 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 plants were always around weeds, right? So if you're growing on an acre of land, your soybeans, there's weeds growing. So obviously those weeds um, compete with your plants. So Monsanto went to these farms and they said, look, we have a product. We have a product called glyphosate, G-L-Y-P-H-O-S-A-T-E, glyphosate, and also known as Roundup. You can go to Home Depot, you know, you can get Roundup. And they said, look, our Roundup will increase your yield. It'll kill all those weeds. And so farmers said, great. So Monsanto would, it was a, in many ways, a recurring revenue model because you have to keep buying glyphosate, right? Every year for your farms. So now Monsanto pretty much has every major farmer in the United States, in the Midwest, using glyphosate. So they spray glyphosate, right? Um, on, on their farms to kill the weeds. And so, okay, they're they're getting some level of improvement um, from the weeds being killed, but now they're producing a product which has poison in it, uh, which they're, so they're, yes, you're getting a little bit better yield, but now you're creating a poisonous product for your consumers, okay? But you're getting more yield, all right? Does that make sense? More yield, Think people think they're all happy. All right, so, um, and this went on for some period of time. And then um, farmers were starting to realize, wait a minute, after time, the plants were also being susceptible to the glyphosate, which means plants were dying. So not only was the glyphosate killing the weeds, but it was also killing the their soy. All right. Everyone got it? So Monsanto's got people buying glyphosate. They're generating billions of dollars every year from farmers. But the farmers are saying, wait a minute, your glyphosate is also killing my plants. So Monsanto said, no problem. No problem. Don't worry. We have a solution. <laughs> we have a new kind of seed called Roundup Ready Soy. Roundup Ready Soy or Roundup Resistant Soy. And they said, if you buy our seed, this seed, when you plant it, when it when it grows, it is resistant to the pesticides, our own herbicide. Sorry, it's, it's officially called herbicide, not pesticide. So uh, I should correct myself. It's called herbicide. And by the way, uh, Trump, big promoter of Monsanto, okay? Biden, big promote, promoter of Monsanto, all these guys, okay? So anyway, so they said, buy our seed. And when you plant the seed, the plant that grows will be resistant to our herbicide. So now the farmers have to buy two products. They got it. They have to keep buying the herbicide. And now they have to buy Monsanto seed. Got it? And this seed is sold in a very interesting way. It's licensed like a software license. Okay. That means you can only use the seed for one year, one growing cycle. If you use it again, you'll be sued by Monsanto. You can't grow the soy, most farmers always, you know, preserve their heirloom seeds because they use it for the next year. Uh-uh. Monsanto says these seeds are our seeds. They're our intellectual property. So you have to keep buying them every year. So now by the short hairs of farmers have to keep buying the pesticide and they're now licensing the Monsanto Roundup Ready soy seed. Everyone following this? 
And that Roundup Ready soy seed is patented. Okay, now how did they create Roundup Ready soy? Well, they genetically engineered a piece of DNA into the organic plant and they manipulated the molecular pathway of those soy plants. And no one ever really knew what the hell they did because Monsanto hides all this. So again, for zero dollars, our Open Science Institute at Cytosolve, never seeking or begging for money, did the research on behalf of, of humankind. This was our fourth paper. We went and digging through the literature and we said, what happens when genetic engineering happens? Monsanto's genetic engineering. What will it uh, affect in those system of molecular pathways? And we found those. And I'll share that with you. And then we integrated that into our other three papers, which have been already published in peer review. So no one can go attack those. So you have to understand again that um, that when Monsanto sells these Roundup Ready soy, again, as I mentioned, you have to license it. It also gets even more interesting. So let's say you have one farmer who's buying glyphosate and is buying Monsanto seeds. Let's say there's a neighboring farmer. This is absolutely true stories. I never believed it until I sat next to a farmer whose family had been sued by this. So what happens is let's say one of your soy seeds happens to fly over and land on your neighbor's plot of land, okay? Monsanto will send their regulators and they will sue that entire farm. And they'll say, all of your plants, you have to pay us now licensing revenue. And they win in court. They keep winning in court. Why? Because of the Zionist Monsanto cocksucking politicians who keep who, who, pay, who get paid off by the lobbyists, including Trump, including Biden, including Obama, all these guys, and they have supported this law. So that poor farmer now has a choice. Either he pays Monsanto penalties, or guess what? He also becomes a user of their genetically engineered soy. You got it? This is all brought to you by the swarm. And the only guy who exposed all of this was me. And we fucking told Joe Rogan to put us on. Fucking Rogan was putting on Kevin Folta. Look him up. Who was being paid by Monsanto. And he denied that he was ever being paid. And an and a actual document came out that he was being paid that tens of thousands of dollars. Rogan never had me on. MIT, PhD, Multiple degrees, why? So please don't talk to me about fucking Joe Rogan. He's a scumbag. And that's why I use these multiple four-letter curse words to talk about these people, and so should you. So don't talk to me about my fucking language. So Rogan never put us on. And we had already published those three papers. And even when these next two papers came out, Three more papers. We did six, five papers. Nothing. Silence. He intentionally concealed our findings, but he put Monsanto on multiple times. Kevin Folta. You can look it up. All right. So let me show you what we did. So now, again, not being paid anything. We did this on our own. What do we next do? All right. And so you really need to understand the economics of this because we did this for, for the love of humankind. And for the love of science, frankly, of what's right to be done. All right. So next thing, let me go to the uh, the thing we did here. We then 
took all of that work um, and we, this was our fourth paper. We were very lucky. We found out that when genetic modification takes place, there are four enzymes that get upregulated in very high levels, catalase, superoxide dismutase, glutathione reductase, and ascorbate peroxidase, and one reactive oxygen species, H2O2. So can you imagine the amount of work we had to do to find what happens when genetic engineer soy? I mean, we had to cull through so much literature to find this. All right. So we said, okay, we did this. We remember we had the oxidative stress pathways. And interesting enough, we found out all of these four chemicals show up in oxidative stress. So we plugged that in. What did we find? We find out that these chemicals affect the oxidative stress pathways. And what we noticed was the following, that in the non-GMO case, formaldehyde levels, as you know, should go down. But guess what happens when you do genetic engineering? Formaldehyde levels go up. Very similar to when a plant is under oxidative stress. And same here, glutathione levels drop to a new baseline. So the bottom line is that the genetic engineering at the plant molecular systems level appears to do the same thing that happens when a plant's under stress. It says, shit, something's happened, happening to me. So the glutathione levels drop to a new baseline. It's what we call in science allostasis. The plant is under stress, okay? And it starts using up its glutathione. That's why glutathione drops to a different baseline. So we published this, and this is when the proverbial shit hits the fan, okay? Because we referred back to the four other papers we had already done, right? Which were built, so this is not built on garbage. And so we noticed was that glutathione levels would go from 9.749 in the organic soy plant to 3.9. That's almost a 250% drop. Okay. Now, when we publish this, okay, um, and I'll come back to this, this is when the entire, every freaking, you know, establishment scientists woke up. They got really pissed off with us and they started calling us all sorts of names. This guy's a fraud. And they always say he didn't invent email. <laughs> that always comes up. He didn't invent email. So, therefore, all the science is a fraud. Okay. Fact is, I did invent email and the science is not fraudulent. <laughs> And so this went up all the way to the European Commission and they started hiring people to attack our research. And they said, you know, this is a mathematical model. This means nothing. Forget the three papers we'd been published. These journals that they publish in are meaningless. Forget that Monsanto had published in those journals, right? And they said, you have not proven that this is what occurs in the plant. Okay, got it? So you could go see all the vitriol and I, in fact, challenged Monsanto. I said, I give you my $10 million building if you can prove our research results are long. Silence. All right. And that went viral. So we did. There was a lot of stuff like that. Again, Rogan was contacted again. Hey, why don't you put Dr. Shiva on? Meanwhile, he was putting on Kevin Folta. Joe Rogan never does the right thing at the right time. He always supports the establishment. And then he'll come out maybe now. Oh, yeah, when it's all gone and over because Monsanto has cashed out. They've sold themselves to Bayer and Bayer now controls about 60% of the seeds in the world. All right. All right. So 
Now, okay, so we published four papers and now we're being attacked. Oh, this is just a mathematical model. Okay, so what happens? Well, um, because I believe that the universe pays you when you work your butt off. So lo and behold, what happens is um, a paper comes out in plant physiology done uh, uh, in the, uh, by the American Society of Plant Biologists where a, a bunch of researchers in Leeds, London, had actually grown. It was this paper by Vivancos et al. in 2011. Guess what? They had actually grown. It's really cool. They had actually grown in a greenhouse a Roundup-ready soy plant and guess what? A um, organic soy plant. And look what they found. They found out that in the actual greenhouse, when they tested the glutathione levels, in vivo means in the actual plant. Ours was in silico on the computer. They found very similar findings. The level of the organic soy was 9.9 .9, and the level of the transgenic was 3.7. Pretty damn close. Okay. And, but however, we knew why this was occurring. When you do stuff, just, you may say this, but you don't know why. And that was published in the American Journal of Plant Sciences called In Silico Analysis and in vivo results concur on glutathione depletion and glyphosate-resistant GMO soy, advancing a systems biology framework. So this was sort of the coup d'etat. And we brought in two other scientists, a co-author, a guy called Michael Hansen and uh, John Fagan. Michael, Michael Hansen is one of the most respected scientists in the field on this. And Michael was always pissed off with all these anti-GMO people because they would always put whack wackadoodle shit out there. In fact, um, after we did this, there's people out there who would try to mimic our stuff, but put garbage research to try to attack the real research. You see what I'm saying? So, so the establishment is very good at doing mimicking research to attack the real stuff. So this is what took place. So what we had done was we'd integrated thousands of papers across 23 countries, 118 scientific institutions. And we had demonstrated that GMO soy is not equal to organic soy. And we used the scientific method not scientific consensus. So all of this we did in during the 2014-2016 period at a time when Joe Rogan had the opportunity to share this with the world and he did nothing. In fact, he was promoting the opposite. So you see, we've been through the trenches with these people. So this is why we have such a vehemency and anger to exposing these fools. So the bottom line is that genetically engineered foods, what Monsanto has done is when they said GMO soy is the same as non-GMO soy, they used the principle of substantial equivalence to select whatever characteristics they wanted, right? They selected, oh, the color of the soy plant, the weight of it, the amount of water. And our point was, when you really do the systems analysis, you find out, wait a minute, glutathione levels are substantially different. Why don't we measure glutathione levels of these two devices, these two organisms? So the selection of the criteria is critical here. So Monsanto used the principle of substantial equivalence, but they chose their own criteria. It would be like me saying, okay, getting back to the tomatoes, oh, I'm just gonna select five criteria, the color of the tomato, whether the, toma the uh, tomato um, has water in it, the amount of water, you know, how it feels, you know, whatever criteria I want. And I just submit to the FDA, oh, FDA selected these five criteria and they're the same. So the issue is what criteria do we select? And in complex organisms, you have to do the systems analysis. Why didn't the FDA do that? 
right? We did it. We did it. An independent scientific institution using Cytosol, a technology that does science faster, cheaper, and better than even the major institutions. And this technology is now part of our movement. So that's why we're opening up the Open Science Institute, which we did a beta launch. So anyone in the world can support our science. And all of that stuff and everything we do is done for zero dollars. While I'm doing other things, we also did that. That was five scientific papers we published in a two-year period. It was a Herculean effort we did. Why the fuck am I not on every TV show talking about this? It should really anger you. The level of censorship and shadow banning that I undergo after all the work that we've done to help the world. It should really, really get you fucking pissed off. And if you made it, it's about 116 of you here. If you're new, get with the program, join our movement, learn the science of systems. It is the only way out of this. I was just speaking to Rudy um, in Utah. And, you know, in India, and he was saying the same thing occurs in Costa Rica, the elite during the period of zero to three years old, they don't like to feed poor people. I don't know if you know this. Why? And they did this in the night for many, many centuries in India, my people, lower caste Indians. So they would say, you're dumb. Your children are dumb. Well, your brains are developing during the period of zero to three years. If you don't get proper protein, you're going to produce kids who have neuronal issues. And then they're only good for cleaning toilets. They're only good for picking coconuts. And that's what they did to my people. There was a great civil rights leader in India called Kamraj. He said, my people aren't stupid. Give me, give me at least one good meal. And he demanded uh, a lunch where people got fed a decent amount of protein. And within one generation, you see people in my parents' backgrounds, et cetera, excelling in science, math, engineering. Now, the same dysfunction is occurring right now. You have people who got food, but they don't understand systems thinking. So we're producing a bunch of dumb fuck people who cannot tell the difference that Trump is fooling them all day that Booby Kennedy's fooling them. We've created a set of people who don't have the neuronal functions to see this. And our movement is the only movement giving people that knowledge. Now, we charge a hundred bucks for our movement and people say, oh my God, he's trying to make money. You know what? We may give it away for free. We, we're really thinking about that because we want every man, woman, and child to understand system science. The knowledge that we're coming up with is as important as a food, a protein that you must give a child when you're zero to three. Because if you don't understand this, you're fucked. You will be used and you'll wonder, why is Dr. Shiva getting so angry? Well, you should also be cursing. And you should teach your kids to use the word Zionist cocksucker, fucker Carlson, every day. You really should. Because they're, they're literally taking a vast majority of adults and not giving them this food. The elite know system science. What I just explained to you is from a systems thinking mind. When you connect the dots, you find out that genetically engineered soy is not the same as organic soy. But to them, they'll convince you they're the same. And they'll convince you that fucking Trump is Jesus Christ. And a lot of dumb fucks all over the Midwest, evangelical Christians are being thinking that, and they think Israel is the whole promised land and the Armageddon should come. And isn't this fucking great? And this is occurring to white American class, pe working class people in the United States. 
The white American working class is being manipulated by these people. Our movement, my run for the presidency, is the only force defying that. So I want to welcome everyone. Welcome to <laughs> the Movement for Truth, Fruit, and Health. Welcome to Shiva for President. So uh, what can you do? Number one, number one, simple. If you want to be really, really lazy, go to Shiva for President. You better get one of these bumper stickers and don't, you know, you know, delay. Don't be lazy. Go get one of them and put it on the back bumper, back windshield of your car. Easy. Go to shivaforpresident.com. Get one of these flyers because it'll explain to you the end result of all of this. You see that graph? All these foods, all these policies, that red line is what's going on to the life expectancy in the United States by design. Trump ain't eating genetically engineered soy, guys. He doesn't eat burgers. Go to Mar-a-Lago. Go to John George's, which is on right off, you know, Columbus Circle. You know, I have an apartment there right down the street. He eats organic food. Melania ain't eating organic food. They're not feeding their, uh, I mean, pesticide GMO food. Don't be fooled. Oh, I eat McDonald's. No, you don't, Donald. Go to Mar-Lago, how much he charges you to go there. So everyone here, go through the program. Become a Truth, Freedom, Health warrior. And the reason we've thought about giving it completely away for free, there's people who want to donate money. They said, Dr. Shiva, we want to give you more than 100 bucks. Great. But if we do decide to do that, it's going to be an exchange. We may give it away for free, but then you have to be a serious student. Volunteer your time to educate other people. If you want, donate money, whatever it is. But our movement is a movement based on merit and people working their butts off to, to help build a movement. And this is the only way out of this. So again, I repeat, you can literally use the analogy of for years, they did not feed poor people food to make them dumb fucks so they can have them keep doing shit jobs. And that's what they're doing to people. They do not want to, they do not want to teach people to perform system thinking. And that's what we're doing. We're doing the most important noble deed that humankind needs. So if you made it this far, go through the course, Get involved. If you have money, donate lots of money because we will use that money to do even more science. And everything that's sustaining us is basically, I mean, everything we do here is a lot of overhead and we do that for nothing, frankly. But we're doing the work of the NIH, you know, Harvard, Yale, all the universities combined. So that's why we have people like Glenn Halls, who's got a great banner up there, Truth, Freedom, Health. You know, that's why we have people get on the ground and hand out flyers, because people realize this movement is the only force that can defy this. And we're playing the long game. We're not into fear. We're not into saying, oh, my God, World War III is going to come. We have to do this. Oh, my God. If we don't get Trump and ah, that's all fear mongering. We have to build our movement step by step by step. And that's what this is about. And this is why. You know, in spite of me having 300,000 followers on Twitter and 250,000 followers on Facebook and 500,000 followers on, uh, sorry, uh, on Twitter, uh, YouTube, my followers count remain the same. The, the level of censorship I undergo is quite astounding. It's like keeping the field nigga, you know, in a cage. And that's what I feel like. You see, I've gotten off the plantation. And they don't want you guys to get off the plantation. 
and you got to get off the plantation, guys. You just got to leave it. Just let it go. There's a movement here. Let's, let's, you know, and that's what we're doing. So anyway, I, I wanted to share with you this science to show you the politics, the science, the systems. You see how this is all beautifully fits together? You can't separate the science from the health piece uh, from the truth side. All of them are interrelated. And by the way, we ran some of the biggest protests on this with the science. We didn't just sit on our butts. So we combined the activism with the science with the health piece. Where else can you get that? Nowhere. So there you go. So that is our environment discussion. I know I hit you with a lot. Um, we've streamed it on purpose, so it's available everywhere. But every one of you, get off your butts and help us get on the ballot. It is easy. Everyone needs to help us collect about a thousand signatures. It'll take you about 40 hours. And I know you guys spend, you know, over a period of time, you spend easily that time, that kind of time watching WWE wrestling, watching Fox News, watching CNN. And we, every ballot we get on, that's a, a, a pure show of defiance to the swarm. Every state we get on, it's a victory. So we see people in New Jersey here. We people see in New Hampshire, you know, um, people in the Midwest. Our people from overseas are helping us call people, okay? Rose um, in New Jersey is mobilizing people. This is a massive mobilization effort. We're giving you guys the opportunity to participate. Get involved, get involved, get involved, get involved. Let's take some questions. Uh, or Chris, I'm sorry, you want to introduce people, right? So to help Chris introduce people, here's the rule. If you are new, please raise your hand using the, the reactions button on the bottom. There'll be a hand and we'll give you, let's take about a couple of minutes for people to find where that button is and raise your hand. Some people have trouble finding it. Um, if you can't find it, put it in the chat. So Chris will help you. If you are new and we know who's new and you don't raise your hand um, and you don't wanna participate, well, we're gonna put you in the waiting room because part of the ethos here is you're coming to a social meeting. We don't want wallflowers. We want, it, we want you to introduce yourselves, at least say who you are, where you're from, and how you came to find us because it's a way that inspires all of us. It's sort of the ethos of this. So Chris will wait. Chris, it's 9.47, let's wait a couple of minutes and people raise your hand. Um, and I'll look at in the chat while you guys are doing this, if there's any questions we have. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, so we want you to introduce yourself. If you have questions, this is not the time for it. We'll do that at the end. We want you to introduce yourself and focus on the topic we just spoke about, about the environment. If you want to pontificate about some movement you're involved in others, this is not the time to do that. And also, one second, Chris, I'm gonna look online what people are asking too, okay? Someone says, how can there only be six likes on this video? <laughs> Hilarious. All right, Chris, do you want to, uh, so we have one, two, three, four, five. So Chris, do you want to take care of the other people who are not raising their hands and put them in the waiting room? 
the other the other thing is to anyone who's on a phone, you can hit star six. So I see someone on a phone. If you want to unmute, you can hit star six. If you um, or if uh, when we come to you, well, you can hit star six. All right, Chris, let's take it away. Let's introduce the new people. Uh, I'm a VIP from a lot of the vitamins. I read so many of his different uh, articles and so Mark, so Mark, to, uh, uh, so Mark, are you there? Yes. Yeah. So it's so it's good to have you. So you connected with people in, in Virginia, is that right? Yes, Northern Virginia. Yeah. Okay. And I've got yeah. quite a lot of people who've been living here for a long time. Yeah. So we have a leader there, Anna Zillow. So if in the chat, if you tell Chris. Um, your phone number and your email. If you text, chat it to Chris, we'll get you in touch with her. But yeah, excellent. Yeah, but from your technical, you don't have to be technical, by the way. The material that we have is understandable by anyone, but you'll appreciate it from a system standpoint since you come from an application systems background. Yeah, it's wonderful. I love learning new things. I mean, that's like I'm constantly learning. I quit watching TV when they took off OAN, and I just I'm just learning stuff all the time. And uh, all this information is just incredible. And, you know, especially about health and the stuff they're spraying in the air, the dirty water. I mean, I yep. clean our water. I got a shower filter. The whole works. I mean, all this stuff is so critical. I mean, we only have so many more years to live, and once we die off, I mean, our kids and grandkids are going to be stuck with whatever we left them with. That's what really, you know, I've got three beautiful grandchildren with another one on the way and they're, you know, under six. And yep. uh, I'm uh, really concerned about that. I've got four children and uh, they're learning. Uh, I'm teaching them a lot of the stuff that I've learned. And uh, it's just amazing. A lot of uh, the 25 year olds that I, that my kids yep. know. So Mark, uh, they, just in the interest of time, you know, we want to, oh, yeah. if, if you have some <laughs> other questions, we can, we can bring them back, but we just want to make sure we go through, but we really appreciate your sharing. All that information. Oh, yeah, absolutely, Doctor Shiva. I love you, and uh, God bless you. And uh, you're the best. <laughs> you're a, 
You're, uh, I'm just amazed and I'm going to listen to all yeah, of so your, so get uh, involved, you know, get, take all that really, really positive energy that you have. Get involved, help us get signatures. We need your help. Okay. Get a bumper sticker, you know, get the flyers, but action is what we need. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah, thanks. Go ahead. Thanks, Mark. I sent you a message. I'll be sending everyone I speak to a message. Please send me your uh, phone number and email so I can connect you with your state leader. And yeah, as you call them, the Beltway Bandits, the richest per capita uh, houses are all around Washington, D.C. That That is the swarm. That's the epicenter. So that's what we're we're fighting for. So thanks, Mark. Uh, we'll go to Jerry Eicher. Hey, Jerry, uh, what brings you here and where are you from? Can you hear me? Yep. Yes, go ahead, Jerry. Yeah. Well, my name's Jerry Eicher. I have a degree in computer science. However, I've been contrary to what the politicians keep saying, having a degree in computer science doesn't guarantee you a job in a STEM field. So I'm working at a third-party call center. Notice that politicians tend to be bought off by lobbyists, it appears. So no matter whether it's a Republican gets elected or a Democrat, nothing gets accomplished that I want done. And yeah, the, the health thing that was interesting too, because I've noticed that health is not really being promoted at a popular level at all. Just a lot of the guidelines out there for like how to eat and so forth are um the organizations creating the guidelines are bought off by food companies that want people to buy just buy their food and be fat and um it just goes on and on but yeah i'm this is a lot of this is quite a bit of a paradigm shift but parts of it i was already start seeing so you're you're new Yes. Percent. Uh, where did you say you're from? Kansas, Wichita, Kansas. Kansas, great. I, I, I'm actively looking for leaders in Kansas. So yeah, uh, you're in the right place. I, I recommend you sign up as a warrior scholar and really, really learn the science of systems and you'll start to see it everywhere. And yeah, so I sent you a message here in Zoom, Jerry. So if you can send me your, your phone number and email and I'll reach mm -hmm. out directly to you and connect you with other people in Kansas. Who sent me the message? Oh, wait, I see. Yep. Okay, there we go. Yeah, and to everyone on social media, Chris, I just want to let everyone know, you know, we are going to get on the ballot, you know, in every state and every, even one state we get on the ballot is a very powerful statement. So everyone on social media, the information that you got tonight, you're not going to get from any other presidential candidate. For that matter, any other mainstream academia, um, so if you value this and you value this kind of information, um, help us get on the ballot. It's a little bit of time, but it'll be very, very rewarding. So go to Shiva numeral four president.com, you know, get the bumper sticker, right? One of these bumper stickers, but go to Shiva for president, volunteer, volunteer, volunteer. Um, you'll meet amazing people and you'll feel like you're doing something. And so just being on social media, clicking and clicking and clicking and scrolling. Okay. So get involved. Thanks, Chris. All right. Thanks, Jerry. Uh, Did you get my phone number? 
Yeah, go ahead and message me in the chat, and I'll be in touch. Okay, I think it, we actually went to Emily. Okay. Yep, but, it's to somebody. Thank you. Okay. With that, we'll go to David Williams. I'll ask you to mute. Uh, to just tell us where you're from and what brings you here tonight. David, you should be unmuted. Uh, we can't hear you currently. You might check your input device. You should see a microphone on your screen. If you click the arrow, just go ahead and make sure you have the correct microphone selected on your device. If not, we'll try one more time here. I think I can hear you. Go ahead, David. Okay. Uh, we'll try to come back to you. Uh, your microphone's not working. With that, we'll go to Gerald G G Gioni. I don't, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that. Gerald, go ahead. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead, Gerald. Where are you Fine. from? Um, I'm from Maryland. Uh, I was on two weeks ago and uh, Dr. Shiva called me out because they kept asking me to, to say hi and I could not unmute myself. So I'm happy that I'm able to do that this time. Um, I'm going through the Warrior program right now. Uh, I met somebody or a group of people in the uh, New Jersey um, team and then eventually pop back here. But I was very interested in listening to the uh, GMO uh, presentation. So thank you, Dr. Shiva, very much appreciated. Um, I'm interested because I'm sick and tired of looking at our political system and understanding or beginning to understand now, you know, where we are as a society, not only here, but globally. And I don't like it. So that's the reason why I'm interested. And that's all I have to say at this point. All right. Well, thanks, Gerald, for introducing yourself tonight. Uh, we're looking for people in Maryland, and we'd like to connect you uh, with other people in Maryland. So I go. I went ahead and messaged you in the chat. And if you could please send me your uh, email and phone number, and I'll put you in touch with uh, other people uh, in your area. So. All right. Great. Thank you. All right, have a good evening. Yep, you too. All right, we'll go on to Neil. Neil, where are you from and what brings you here tonight? You're ready to review. Yeah, can you're... you hear me? Yep, good. Okay, hey, Dr. Shiva, great job. Uh, your energy levels are amazing. St. John's County, Florida, we're going to get you on the ballot. That's awesome. Uh, warrior, program, warrior programs, very. Um, easy informative uh anyone can use it i think you should just go through it just for the uh slide presentations you're doing uh it's going to be a challenge in florida and um not as naive as i used to be but your message is powerful we're here to be courageous and fight evil with society crumbling around us this uh i'm gonna i'm gonna follow through with everything and uh we're going to be in Duval County, St. John's County, Florida, and Clay County. That's it. Thank you. 
Yeah, just to just to give everyone a heads up, just to let you know the organization that we're building, we have to get close to 300,000, 250,000 signatures to get on the ballot in Florida. And so we're mobilizing massive, massive armies of volunteers. And to give you the understanding of this, we are doing it the honest way. Booby fucking Kennedy goes and collects money. He begs for money, 20 million bucks, and then he's going to pocket that money. And then he doesn't even have to himself mobilize volunteers because he's really got no volunteers. He goes and takes that money and then he's going to go get signature vendors to collect signatures for him. So this is not even, this is like, this whole thing should be illegal. None of these guys run fraudulent campaigns. We're the only one who actually does open houses. We invite you, we share information, we mobilize people, you know, and we got, um, uh, you know, great people um, on the call here who want to actually help us. So that's what's different here. We're actually playing fair. We do the homework, Neil, right? These guys are cheaters and they're cheaters and they're cheaters. We don't care. Let them cheat all day because we're going to win at the end of the day. So good to have you, Neil. Thank you. And by the way, to people on social media, I've set up a call-in line of people want to call in. So we have someone calling in. So I'm going to take someone who says, calling you, Dr. Shiva. This is Joe. My name is Fernando. So I'm going to test this. I hope it works. So let me take this call uh, and hopefully we can hear this guy. Uh, Joe, are you there? Hello? Hey, Joe, how are you? Uh, hey, Chris, can you hear Joe? I do not hear Joe. Oh, it says, go ahead. What's your name? Good. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Great. So tell us, um, what's your question? Yeah. So let me just, uh, I think everyone heard it. Can you just repeat? Yeah, can you repeat that question again? Just repeat it again. Can you hear? Great. Did you hear that now, Chris? Okay, so I'll repeat what he said. So what he said was, so um, what Fernando said was, what can we learn from the swarm to repeat what they're doing so we can learn from them. That's the question, okay? And by the way, anyone can call in on social media. There's a number that I've put up. I'll just repeat your question. Uh, the number is 857-997-9545, or you can go to callinstudio.com slash show slash Dr. Shiva, but I'll repeat your question. So Fernando's question is, what can we learn from the swarm and what can we uh, can we use any of their techniques to shatter the swarm? Is that right, Fernando? That's your question. All right. So let me answer that question. So the way what you can do is you can learn the science of systems because a swarm, just like I gave the analogy, they're getting good food, high protein food, so their brains develop. They understand system science. Um, as I mentioned earlier, um, this guy, uh, what's his name? Um, um, George Soros is one of the uh, you know premier thinkers in system science. All right, so. That's what they're able to do. And 
they understand the knowledge of system science. So just think about you have a bunch of kids who are not getting any protein meals and another kids are eating really well and they're dominating those other kids. Now use the same thing with adults. One set of kids have no idea of system science. They don't know what's going on in the world. And another set of people, a finite set of around 10,000 people, the swarm, no system science. So Fernando, the number one step to everyone listening is go to truthfromhealth.com, get the warrior training because you're not going to get it anywhere else. You're going to have to spend 20 years, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. We've made it accessible to every man, woman, and child. That's step one. Does that make sense, Fernando? Without the knowledge, you're basically in the blind. Number Yeah, another good question you're asking. So Fernando's question, is a warrior training program enough? Well, let me ask you this. And I've always asked people this question. And so I'm uh, repeating the questions for people can hear. Fernando said, is a warrior training program enough? Well, let me ask you a question, Fernando. How many people know how to build a nuclear bomb? Yeah, not anyone you know. How many people know system, the the 10,000, 20,000 people I talk about in the swarm, you know, they know system science. You understand? And there, why is it that if small set of people are able to manipulate 8 billion people, why is it a small set of people are able to um, essentially build weapon, weapons of mass destruction because they understand nuclear physics? So it's not the quantity of people, Fernando. It's the understanding of key critical knowledge. So that's step one. Step two is when you understand this knowledge, you then evolve to recognizing that the elections are selections and we must build a bottoms up movement. And there is, we cannot get lost in this urgency thing because that's been going on for a hundred years. The sky is going to fall down tomorrow. World War II is coming tomorrow. Oh my God, we got to choose between the lesser of two evils. Oh yeah, Dr. Shiva, I agree with everything you're saying, but right now we need to get Trump into power. You see what I'm saying? That thinking comes from a reductionist model. So that's the first step, Fernando. Good uh, good questions, man. Thank you. All right, go ahead. Let's go to the next uh, question. And to everyone on social media, you're welcome to simply call 857-997-9545 um, to call in and we have a call in set up. Go ahead, um, Chris. into it because you know people there are pretty decent people pretty good people and i you know trust them a lot and i saw that and i'm like holy shit and i found this indian guy man <laughs> my wife's from calcutta so you know it's like so you know and she grew up in mass she, she grew up in her uh grade school years in in uh boston so you know and her her aunt whatever her 
so-called aunt lives there anyhow. But I came here, you know, because I, I just watched a couple of your videos, did, you know, did, did a little bit of research and all that and found out it's something I, you know, I might want to do because I found out, you know, a while back that it doesn't matter if it's Democratic or Republican, it's still a shit sandwich. And you can't tell, you know, people don't understand that. You know, it's a shit sandwich, doesn't matter which one you vote for. Anyhow, and I love the fact that you're you're into the non-GMO stuff. I was I was into uh, Zach Bush for a you know for a long time, and Zach Bush is a big non-GMO person and goes around and tries to help farmers to get out of that uh, glyphosate crap. And I grew up in Pennsylvania, South Central Pennsylvania, and it's all farmers. And the oh my God, the farmers! When you drive through, even here in Winchester, you go down the road. Uh, Did you let him in? All, in the springtime, every field is brown. Yeah. Hey, Samuel, how about a presidential candidate that can explain the difference between a GMO and a non-GMO? That would be great. I had I had a dude come by here. He was running for whatever, some whatever, senator or representative, some state office, whatever. And I said, I said, you know what? I'd like to see someone uh, take on the farmers. You know, I love farmers, but my God, they all spray this stupid glyphosate on their farm on their fields, you go through, you know, Clark County, you know, Frederick County here where I live, all these kind and all the fields are just brown. Did you catch the presentation where he explained how the farmers were tricked into doing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. GMO seeds, okay. Yeah, I, I, I knew all that from Zach Bush, boy, he, he's pretty good. He's, he's a Virginia guy too. But all right, well, Samuel, he yeah. said, uh, Anna Zillow reached out, you, you, you found us through her? Oh yeah, she has it posted on her. Well, excellent. So, I was yes. really, I was really excited to see someone that, you know in my area that's when you know in this other group I'm in. Well, and excellent. Oh, the truth, freedom, you know, truth, freedom, health, truth, health, right. freedom, whatever it is. And, and Ann, it was, wow, I sent you a message here, and I'd love to connect you with Anne and get you on the ground and help get Dr. Shiva on the ballot in Virginia. We, we appreciate you being here tonight. Sure. All right. Thanks, Sam. We're going to go on to our next guest. Just one second. Go to Deborah McAdoo. Hey, uh, Deborah. Hey, Chris, one second. Just one oh, second. Okay. Um, so anyway, it, it's good that um, the earlier speaker came here. Let me just make a couple of points here. There are many people who've been talking about an issue or about the truth of an issue. And I really want to emphasize this. So um, this guy, um, uh, Zach Bush, you know, talks about this issue. Okay. And I, um, and there's people who talk about this. Okay. And they sell books about it and they um, do this stuff. But Zach Bush promotes booby fucking Kennedy. Okay. And I really want to emphasize this because you have to understand there are people who talk about some issue. It becomes their issue. Oh my God, I'm, a, I'm fighting breast cancer. Oh, I'm about, I'm against GMOs. All right. Um, I'm, you know, fighting election integrity. And you can go down the list. Like there's a whole bunch of issues and they build beautiful websites and they do the stuff. But then you must ask, what are they actually doing to mobilize a movement? And who are they affiliating with? And let me tell you why this is important, because we live in an era where 
there's a lot of people who talk about, you know, I want to help the world and I want to do this and I want to do that. They may be well-meaning, they may have hidden agendas, whatever it is. But the bottom line is you have to look at them in a much more critical way. You have to look at it in a three-part way. Okay, fine. Telling the truth has now become a business. Every Tom, Dick, and Harry tells the truth. They put pictures about people getting um, destroyed in Gaza, right? Picture after picture after picture to get views and views and views. Then the second thing you have to look at is what is he, when are they talking about this? When did they actually first talk about this? After all the disaster took place, when their truth telling is basically irrelevant. And the third is what are they actually doing to tell people to mobilize people to change the world? So let me repeat that. When did you tell the truth? It's very, very important. Who are you telling the truth to? And what is your goal in telling the truth? Fucker Carlson is telling all sorts of truth now after he made, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars being at Fox News because it is in vogue to tell the truth. But he didn't tell the truth in 2020, March of 2020, when it mattered. He has all sorts of excuses. Oh, well, you know, my career, well, fuck your career. You made a shitload of money. And you're telling the truth now. What is the purpose of that? It's not to mobilize people. It's to make people believe in you and the swarm because you're a CIA operative. So when I hear these guys, and don't take it the wrong way to the earlier caller, I've heard about this guy. But you know what? He snuggles up to Booby fucking Kennedy, who's a Zionist hoodlum. So don't tell me you care about the environment. And, and a lot of people say, well, you know, you need to look at the good in people. No, you need to look at the person as a whole. You cannot, on one hand, be talking about that you're for, you know, you're for helping humankind and you want to um, uh, do something. I'm an MD and I'm fighting for health, but then you're supporting a Zionist cocksucker. You see, this is a dysfunctional view of the world. And this is why nothing changes because you have a guru one day who'll put on his turban and say, Om, Om, you know, and people go study all this Vedas from him. And the next day he's making sure everyone gets vaccinated. Okay. And he's supporting crime between Hindus and Muslims. Seriously. So you got to look at the person as a whole and you have to look at their trajectory of their lives and what they've been doing because we live in a critical time. Who you choose to get advice from, get knowledge from, the company that you hang out with, you must look at the trajectory of people, particularly people who claim they're leaders. All right. So Zach Bush, let him drop Booby Kennedy and let him stop always trying to snuggle up to Hollywood elites to define his brand. Guys are guys got some major problems. Go ahead. All right, we'll continue. We'll go to Deborah McAdoo. Deborah, where are you from and what brings you here tonight? Hi, everyone. Hi, Dr. Shiva. How are you? <laughs> Very good. Thank you. Glad to be here. Um, so I guess I came across you during the COVID pandemic um, era and really liked your message. I just really appreciate your authenticity and your willingness to speak the truth and, you know, learning about everything that you've done and the big battle and the swarm that you've come up against. Um, I really appreciate, you know, your efforts to step forward and to help us, you know, 
kind of get through this quagmire. Uh, I live in the North Georgia mountains. I'm very interested in getting you on the ballot in Georgia. I'd like to connect. I got on the website today and trying to, you know, find out how I can connect with the Georgia advocates that are working to get you on the ballot here. And um, I'm a longtime truth, freedom, and health uh, advocate, I guess. Um, I'm 60 years old, 30 years ago. I didn't um, vaccinate my children. I was already becoming aware. I think my red pill moment early 90s when I learned about the Terminator technology that Monsanto had come up with to prevent seeds from um, germinating, right? And I thought at that time, that seemed like such a heinous evil act to thwart life in a seed of all things. And that was really when I began really learning about all kinds of ill will, such as chemtrails. And, you know, of course, at that time I was learning about vaccination, birthing babies, you know, getting organic in my life. Um, so I've been been at it for a long time. Um, my background is I am um, uh, studied science and technology at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, RPI in Troy, New York, and went on to have a career in the environmental uh -huh. with soil remediation, um, cap and trade deals, working in the legal field, going up with the Dows and the Velsicals and the Monsantos and everything. I currently work for a logistics company, still employed, um, empty nester um, here in the North Georgia area. But, you know, I've never really been politically involved. You know, I go and vote and have always been, you know, just getting in the system and realizing that there's a lot of doofus people that are unaware, that are not intelligent people, that are bought and paid for, that aren't really trying to do anything for humanity, right? They just sell a good sizzle. But I'm really excited about what you're doing and what we're doing to create a more intelligent design of our society and who we are as people and what really matters and respect for life and and moving our work and our activity toward more intelligent systems, right? So I've stepped forward, I guess in the last few days, I said, okay, I've really got to commit to this because time is of the essence and we really want to see what we can do with this movement, with this presidential election cycle. And so I'm here and I with I don't have a lot of time, but if if I go and learn the systems science approach and work with people here in Georgia to try to you know make the best effort we can to move this ball forward, get you out there, get us, get people of like mind doing this kind of work. And I've listened to your message and just the sheer numbers of people that will become much more aware and get involved in the mechanisms that drive these processes, whether it be at the state level, the federal level, whatever. And to the extent that any of that is even necessary, once everyone's just working in a much more intelligent fashion, I think we'll get this going a long way. And I'm I'm very excited that you're doing this. I mean, it's it's unbelievable because we're usually faced with no good choices. And you, like I said in the beginning, you're very authentic. You've really, you know, paid your dues. You do speak for the people. And I love your candor just being here on this call with everybody. None of those other people would be doing this. And if they were, it would just be a show, right? This is the real deal. Yeah, so they, they, thank they, you so much. Yeah, they would do it as a show. And that show would be for flying in with teleprompters 
you know, saying words and then leaving, right? What we yeah. do here is really, you know, we're really an educational platform. The other thing I wanted to um, mention is in Georgia, please give your information to Chris because Georgia's coming up and we need a strong leader there. We have lots and lots of people, just everyone listening, we have thousands of people in every state we let this percolate on its own bottoms up, but we need people to everyone listening on social media to be leaders. So go to shivaforpresident.com and volunteer, 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 but please get involved because, um, and come to our Saturday morning training because we need leaders like you. So please get involved. We need to get, you know, a significant number of signatures to, to get on the ballot in, in Georgia. Great. And I did fail to mention, I'm not that this matters, but when I mention my education, I'm a paralegal. I do legal work. Oh, really? And, you know, I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm kind of the, you know, I've had the Aaron Brockovich story. I worked on the Love Canal case uh -huh. in upstate New York, um, did a lot of um, Wait a minute. So Do you still, do you know how to write responses, sir, replies and all that kind of stuff? I definitely do litigation work. I currently work in-house for a logistics company. So, okay. you know, <laughs> I'm not on the front lines. Yeah, because I file, we have two major lawsuits we're filing that I filed on my own. You know, when we did the backdoor portal, we won a right. piece of that. But if you want to help, we have some stuff coming up. But by the way, a okay. general statement to anyone, anyone who has skill sets, this is a movement by the people for the people. Everything we've done is built bottoms up. So, yeah, yeah. Um, can you please give your information? What was your full name again? I'm Deborah McAdoo. Yes, and okay. I have. So Deborah, can uh, who are you connected with right now? No one. <laughs> okay. Can you can you give your information to Chris right now so we can talk? Okay. Yes, I just sent my uh, cell phone number through the chat. I believe. Okay. Chris, someone do you have wants it? to confirm that it's received. Chris, did you get it? Yes, I have it. Okay. Thanks. Great. Thanks, Deborah. Thank Look you. forward to connecting Thank with you. you. Yep. Thank you. All right, thanks, Deborah. And with that, we'll go on to Vicki Marshall. I'll ask you to unmute. Yeah, they said next. Oh, good, good evening. Hi, everybody. Um, um, I'm Vicki, and I'm uh, a leader in training. And I was just having dinner with my family this evening. My son and his girlfriend are in from Colorado. And so I pulled up our town hall so they could um, listen in. And um, I, say, I just wanted to introduce them. So go ahead, Jack, say hi. Hey, Dr. Shiva. Hey, everyone. Hi, where are they? I, I'm trying to, can you highlight them as speaker, Chris? So we can all see them. Oh, there you go. Put the there video out. <laughs> oh, there yeah, you guys are. Okay, how are you? I live in Colorado, so if we... Um, you get some signatures for you. That'd be great. And thank you for breaking down the whole GMO plant thing. Um, I've never under, I've never ever seen anyone go through that um, break down the the small parts of it like you did. So thank you for that. It was good. Great. And I'm gonna have to rewatch it too. But but yeah, we got the whole family and my girlfriend Laura and my nice mom to meet you. Yeah, good to have Hi. you guys. Yeah, so you guys, you guys can really, really help us if you give your information because Colorado, you know, is in the West. We have a great uh, set of people out there. Um, you know, I, U, Utah and Idaho are coming up for signature deadlines, but we need um, great people in. We already have a lot of people. But we need some people to help mobilize them. But it's good to have you. Please help us out there. 
that's where something tangible okay. you guys can help us get signatures. Yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> yes, we will. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Dr. Shiva. For yeah. Good. Someone else. <laughs> someone, someone else from social media said hello from Colorado. So all the people in Colorado, say hello <laughs> to the marshals and help us get signatures in Colorado. Thank you. We have, Chris, we have someone calling in. I'm going to just bring them up. Um, let me, um, someone by the name of Pete. Pete, are you there? Hey, Pete, I'm going to repeat. So why don't you ask your question? I'll repeat it because not everyone can hear it. Go ahead, Pete. What's your question? Yeah, the way to overcome the shadow banning is to make sure that Elon Musk, um, look, what's happening is it's not Elon Musk. Elon Musk is owned by the government. The government watches our movement and it is a government, CISA, who is telling social media companies to um, essentially shadow ban us. And just to be very clear, you see what they're doing with our movement is very clever because they know that I'll sue them. They know that we have the ability to expose them. So they put me back on these social media platforms, Twitter, but they make sure that I'm contained in a digital cage. So when I first got back on Twitter, I said, hey, Elon, you know, I'm willing to be your CEO. And that got about 20 million views. And ever since I started exposing him, our views have gone from like 20 million, you know, a million to 2 million views per day down to around, you know, a few thousand per day. So the the censorship that they're doing is a very sophisticated form of censorship where they keep you on to give people the illusion, oh, Dr. Shiva's on, he gets to talk, but our tweets don't really go anywhere. You see? That's what they're doing. The only way to end this is a, is a movement uh, to recognize that the First Amendment was destroyed by Donald Trump and the entire Congress on November 16, 2018, when they signed CISA into law. CISA allows the government to launder censorship through private companies. That's what they've done. Yeah, the ultimate future is the future is uh, the future is ultimately offline. Okay, so the future is offline, or until we as people seize the systems, which should really be um, owned by the people on some level, which is what the postal service intended when the founders started this country, which was free speech must equal free reach. People like Elon Musk are changing the definition of free speech, where they're boldly saying free speech does not equal free reach. So. Even people like Rumble, which is, um, you know, Palantir's involved in that. I believe Jared Kushner's involved in that. Please be aware they, that these so-called alternative platforms, most of them are part of the swarm, but the not-so-obvious establishment. Okay? All right. Thank you. Thank you for your observation. Yep. Be well. Yep. Uh, Chris, were you able to hear that? Uh, I was able to hear your uh, okay. question, but not his. Yeah. His question was, 
why can't you build some technology to overcome their shadow banning? And what I shared with this gentleman was that those um, who are doing the shadow banning, it's not the companies are doing, but the government is doing it. The government is using these social media companies. They launder censorship through them. That's what's actually going on. All right. So it's 1029. I don't know if there's any more questions, um, but are there any more questions? We have one more introduction. Yep. We'll go to Kathy Vortman. Hey, Kathy, how are you? Hi, Dr. Shiva. Can you hear me? Yeah, nice to have you. How are you? Yeah, thanks. Um, great to uh, to personally be able to say thank you to you. Um, I've been watching your videos and listening to you since about 2020. I agree with everything that you say. Um, I'm from Canada, from Ontario, and I don't know if there's any, um, I know your movement is global. Um, but are there things happening in Canada with this movement? Like, do you have leaders here? Yeah, we have a lot of leaders there. You know, we have probably about 10,000 people in Canada. Okay. Oh, okay. So Fantastic. What we, what we have is we um, are working on a plan, which we've been delayed. But um, if you want to send Chris your information right now, I want to mm -hmm. do something this Sunday if you're around. But we okay. want to get a number of Canadians who are interested into doing a plan for Canada. It's just been delayed, but we don't want to wait any longer. So we have a number of great Canadians who've come to us. You know, we helped a lot with the truckers movement when it was going yeah. on, but a lot of these movements don't have direction. And I think our movement can help really offer the right framework, even in Canada. And then okay. uh, people in Canada can ac actually make some phone calls for us for our campaign here. So yeah, that's uh, I think Glenn Halls is here, but um, if we can set a time um, this weekend, let's do that. Even if it's for half an hour to huddle. Okay. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm glad you came. All right, Chris, yes. I think we're done with new people, right? Yeah, I believe so. I think we're ready for questions on the topic related to GMOs. Yeah, if you could moderate those, Chris. Thanks. All right. I will start calling on people. Please be succinct. Keep it to the topic. And we'll go to Hamza Mir from Arizona. What's your question? Uh, so my question, Dr. Shiva, regarding like food is also the thing, another thing we have to be careful is because of the chemtrails and stuff. So for example, or for example, if we grow organic food, but if the air is not clean, then how the food is going to be clean? Yeah, it's a whole systems problem. It's not any one thing. It's not one thing, yeah. Yeah. Well, today we're talking about genetically engineered foods. And even in that area, we wanted to educate people on um, that the GMOs are not equivalent to non-GMOs and how they bamboozle people to manipulate even science to say that they're the same. But yeah, I mean, it's not any one thing, Hamza, like we've talked about. It's a whole bunch of things that are being done together. And this is why we need a systems overhaul. And people really need to... Uh, really get educated because nothing's going to happen without that raising in consciousness that, you know, all of these people who the swarm presents to you are part of the problem still. Thank you. Another thing, Dr. Shiva, I want to ask, is, it's uh, not related to the topic. It's not even a question. So as you know, I work with like athletes, combat sports, athletes and stuff. So there's a lawsuit we have 
it's called the clash action lawsuit for the ufc have you heard about this yeah can we wait until we go to other people and come back to this yeah 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 because i really want to talk about this because it relates to ari emmanuel dana white donald trump all that yeah stuff. so let's let's hold that and we'll wrap up with that okay yeah i just want to make sure we get people who want to ask questions about this thanks just hold on go ahead chris We'll go to Bill Groms from PA. Ask you to unmute. Dr. Shiva, thank you for taking my call here. Uh, in regards to GMOs, just real quickly, um, how harmful are they? Are we uh, ingesting more formaldehyde then, or uh, really, how's that work? We try to eat as much organics as yeah, we can. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's a really good question. So, at least what we know with soy from our research. So what's happening is, you know, if you think about the example I like to give is you ever see these bodybuilders or people taking steroids, right? They look big, right? But they all die at a young age, right? Relatively, yeah. right? Or they have all yeah. sorts of other issues, heart issues, et cetera. So what yeah. I uncovered was that with many of the GMO seeds, right? So they, first of all, they put the herbicide in. And then they sell the seeds, which combat against the, their own herbicide. But many of these seeds now are being coated with neonicotinoids. All right, it's, it's fascinating. So the issue is why are they coating seeds with neonicotinoids? And what you find out is that the neonicotinoids, when you plant them, protect the seed from being consumed by the soil organisms. So why is that? Well, the reason is that glutathione and other nutrients in a wild so if you look if you look at um fruits that grow in the wild right or things that grow in the wild they've had to combat all the pesticide all, all the different other natural things and they survive right yeah so when you start doing farm racings it goes on even like farm raised salmon and all these things we try to simulate it a, a wild type environment we never get it exactly right so when they are creating these seeds um, or these things that are genetically engineered, it's not perfect, right? It has some dysfunction in it. So then they have to cover up that dysfunction, that weakness with something else. So it's my view, and I haven't had time to prove this, that the, at least in these neonicotinoid coated seeds, the seeds are actually weaker. They're not able to, when they put them into the soil, survive the soil organisms. And then the neonicotinoids, not only go into the outer shell of the seed, they go throughout the entire plant. And they're a nerve neurotoxin for bees. This is well known. So what you have is, so you, first of all, you created the herbicide and then you created the, <laughs> the genetic engineered seed to protect against the herbicide. And now, you, now the seed is weaker because it doesn't have enough glutathione and that affects the plant's, uh, sustainability itself so then they have to coat that with the neonic no okay. oh it's okay all right so that's fundamentally what's going on so from a human nutrition standpoint at least the research that i just shared uh, these plants have not the same level of glutathione so if you're eating foods to get nourishment you're not getting the same level of nourishment that you would i say then okay very at good. least from this research and you could go on I mean, to whole other areas of the topsoil has been destroyed, right? We don't have enough minerals, right? And so on. Right, right. Yep. And it has to do with everything of, of the uh, Kaiser, Permamente, 
graph that you showed that yeah yeah so you're, you're literally I mean, yeah so if you look at that graph right there that red line which we have up on the shiva for president site that everyone yes. should go get a copy of right and and download and share with your friends this graph means that the life expectancy of your child is going to be shorter than you and this is not any one issue this has been going on for almost 50 years right now exactly bill that's what we keep saying it's not any one issue it's right. an accumulation of a number of issues. Yeah. Um, someone just mentioned Don Huber. Yeah, and someone on, yeah, Don Huber is the one that first alerted us to the C1 metabolism pathway. In fact, um, Don just edited a, uh, a research journal where he asked us to do an invited paper on substantial equivalence, and that's to Ann Johnston. Thank you for reminding me. Don Huber, great guy. So basically, it's not any one thing they've been doing it's been a lot of things over all the years laws that are passed and uh chemtrails that are in the air shooting aluminum in our air uh on and on it goes to depopulize per se to get us unhealthy um i mean when, 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 when a, a person like a bill gates <laughs> uh um, what he's been doing is beyond evil uh but let's what i'd like to tell these uh swarm creatures is is real simple is let's start with you and your family about depopulation. Yeah. Yeah. Someone's voice is, uh, Chris, someone's you need to mute somebody. Yeah. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for sharing that observation. Thank you. Let's go over to, um, who else, Chris? Arky. Yeah. Let's go to Arky from Toronto. Hey, Dr. Shiva. Um, thanks for a great talk. My question is, um, what is what stopped like when you were saying that Monsanto basically went to farmers and said, "Hey, our patented seeds are on your property." Why didn't why couldn't the farmers be like, "Hey, you're trespassing on my property"? Yeah, well, I'm not sure the exact. I mean, when they went on their property, they went with a court order. The courts, Arky, have backed Monsanto, so they they are allowing um, this enforcement of their intellectual property, okay? So basically- No, I, I meant more like, how did that seed get on my property? Oh, like did Monsanto come plant it? No, 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 the wind blows it over, you know, and these seeds- Okay, so then they're littering. It's just like, uh, it's just like, you know, a co uh, company builds like a, you know, smog factory. Yeah, so, so it's, you know, so we, we can, so people have argued this in court, Arky. What's happened, yeah. it's been adjudicated in court and the judges have ruled in Monsanto's favor. So this gets back to the corruption of the, so what you're saying makes logical sense, right? Everything you're saying is logical, um, but logic does not prevail when you have a corrupt system. Yeah. So remember a judge in a US court gets an appointment. Who appoints the judge? Well, a governor appoints a judge or if it's at the state court level, right? Or a, a uh, president appoints federal judges. You follow? How do you get to become president of the United States? Well, you have to get funding from major big ag, right? Or the Zionist lobby, and you go down the list. So judges are put in there by other uh, forces. And a judge, after he gets into one position, wants to be a judge in somewhere else, right? So a federal court judge wants to be an appeals court judge. An appeals court judge wants to be the Supreme Court judge. You got what I'm saying? Yeah. So what you're saying is absolutely true, but it's quite, I was blown away when I found out. 
I couldn't believe that a seed flies over and I'm going to get charged and I can be shut down until I literally was. And I heard about this for years and I said, yeah, okay. And I sat next to a guy whose family had a farm for three generations. And he said, my family has to go fully GMO because of the lawsuits we're under. It's quite do a- you think it's sad. Do you think it's because like part of it at least is because like most of the people don't know how to go on the offensive legally? Well, yeah, because Monsanto, I mean, think of, so just think about yourself. You're running a family farm. Okay. Yeah. It's hard for you to potentially imagine the constraints these people are under. They're running a farm. Um, and if you talk to Tony Pierce, I don't know if Tony's here. Um, Tony will, Tony runs a farm in New Zealand. He'll tell you how tight he's got to run it, how he's got to watch it every day. Otherwise he's gone. He's out of business. Okay. And, and we're not talking about, there's two kinds of farmers. There's gentlemen farmers who just have a piece of land that are doing it because for tax write-offs, if you want to run a real farm and make money, Arky, it's very difficult. All right. And so if you're running a farm and you have a line item for lawyers, if you want to fight Monsanto and a, and a, and a lawyer is charging you a hundred or thousand bucks an hour, I mean, Tony, do you want to mention to people how tough it is to run a farm and to make it uh, actually Tony's in his office right now in New Zealand, and he'll tell you that he has to run it. He, he, Tony's actually using systems principles to help run his farm and how tight he's got to run it. Tony, maybe you want to just let people know how difficult it is. Go ahead, Tony. Yeah, it, it is extremely difficult. Like, you know, even today, we went at, at our breakout meeting. Um, because we're dealing with the drought here and um, we had to be moving stock to another property to feed them. Um, we're harassed on, on every level by regulations and that are very often pointless um, to do, pretend to do with the environment, but it's actually about trying to control us, to, trying to harass us. Um, our product prices get manipulated on us. Um, you know, things like wool. We, we're wool farmers, uh, sheep and cattle farmers in New Zealand. The wool price has been depressed for 20 years um, in defiance of market principles. There should have been new people come into the market because the price was low and take wool as a product and, and build it. They haven't done that. Um, the people aren't coming into the market, and that's not natural. I don't think they can get the funding top down from banks to actually invest in and rebuilding the the demand for wool. Things like that. Farming is generally speaking under attack, and the fellow before mentioned chemtrails and all that sort of thing. Geoengineering, it's happening, and and we see that as a threat. Last year, parts of New Zealand were devastated by by storms that that should never existed unreal storms coming out of the north when they never come out of the north and the hawks bay gisborne region quite a big region um got several cyclones um and new zealand's not a cyclone prone country but that land was severely damaged it's very hard as dr shiva says to make a a, a successive farm and new zealand is one of the best easiest farms countries to farm in the world we grow grass naturally now tony um, it, now tony take what you just said 
And imagine you have to fight a hundred billion dollar company who says, Tony, um, you know, I don't know, I'm going to make this up. You, your sheep are mating with our genetically engineered sheep. You owe us, you know, $1 million. Now you're going to have to go find a lawyer who's at minimum going to charge you a quarter of a million dollars. What will exactly? And, and your farm is dead. It's gone. Yeah. Uh, glyphosate's here. I, I followed your argument quite clearly. I, I do had sort of knew the, the grounds of, of it largely anyway. Um, but you're 100% right. What Roundup uh, glyphosate Monsanto did um, with their Roundup Ready seeds and that sort of thing is fraud. There's no way that a, a self-sown seed from the neighbor's place um, is your problem. You know, why you can't be, you're surely ridiculous to, to sue a person for a self-sown seed that you've actually made available to them. You know, that a bee has carried over the boundary, essentially. Um, no one should be, be sued for, for that sort of thing. It, it's ridiculous. And it comes back to the patents they've been allowed to get away with. Um, some of these patents that, the, that they've got are, are ridiculous. You know, I believe they've even there's something about them patenting the human beings who have had this bloody jab too. You know, um, yeah. Anyway, so Arky, I hope it gives you a little bit of insight. So if you're a farmer like Tony running it and Monsanto, let's say you haven't done anything wrong and Monsanto comes there and threatens you, you're going to, most people cave in because yeah. of the enormous economic pressures that you have. I mean, it's going to cost you a quarter of a million dollars, minimum, minimum, to file any, to defend yourself. Yep. Yep. So you, you got to the kind of the heart of the, my question, because that's kind of like the answer I was expecting. Um, so the real core thing is, you know, the way I'm seeing it is like, you know, uh, like the farm is like a system and these absurd regulations are like disruptors or disturbances. Yep. I'm wondering, like from a system's perspective, like what? This whole kind of legal structure seems to be one of the big things the the beast system has that's oppressing everybody in almost every aspect, not just farms. And I've been trying to like think of like what what can uh, like what can we do about that? Arky, if you've come to enough of these, you know that all these systems are interconnected. Okay, the legal judicial system, the legislative system, the executive branch—they're all corrupt. The only thing has ever changed any of this stuff, be it in, I mean, by the way, the judiciary of Canada, the judiciary of the United States, all, I don't know if you know this, but the judicial systems in most countries are still back in the middle ages. All right. In the US, the executive branch, you could argue, progressed a little bit in 1776 and so did the legislative. But the judiciary of most countries is still living back in the dark ages of the middle ages. The, the stupid judges and the and you look at many they have to wear those wigs and those things. You know what I'm saying? This is yeah. fucked up. This is from like the dark ages. When you yeah, walk into a courtroom, you are literally walking backward in time. In the United States, lawyers are still have the Esquire ESQ. That is a title of nobility. One level above gentlemen, one level below knight. So the entire legal structure is not even in any democratic vein anymore. The only thing that's gonna ever change anything substantially, once you identify this as a problem, is a movement. Until that point, 
we're all going to be contending with the same things. There's not a little tweak we can do because who are you going to go try to get the tweak done by? The judicial system? So anyway, good questions. Go ahead, Chris. Let's take a couple more, Chris. Okay, we have four more people with hands up. Can just ask their questions and I'll sort of hit them all in one shot. If you, they could make their questions succinct. In the interest of time, it's almost 11. Yeah, so I'll ask everyone to mute. Please keep to the topic. And we'll go with Tracy first. Yeah, hello, Dr. Shiva. Um, and in, in the case of those court deals, how do they uh, prove, how, what's their proof that you got a seed that dropped on their ground when the very standing that they were coming in at when they started this whole thing was, oh, we it's the same, same, it's, there's nothing different. Do you want? Yeah. What their point is that, yeah, they're, no, no, they're saying that the seed to get FDA allowance, they're saying that it's just a minor tweak, just like changing the color of the stethoscope, you see? So, in order to get that new modified organism through the FDA for distribution, Tracy, they had to show the FDA, oh, this is no big deal. Okay. So, they get to have the cake and eat it too, in some ways. You see what I'm saying? Um, but so they get to say, what's well, no big deal, but they also get the patent protection for that. No big deal. You follow what I'm saying? All right. And some, um, someone just said the cross pollinating piece, right? Their point is that these plants then start cross pollinating and therefore those cross pollinated substances are also their, um, property. Does that make sense? Yes. So anyway, none of it makes sense. The only reason it gets through is because of money and power. Okay, we'll go to Matthew Stoneman. What's your question? Hey, my question is, uh, with USDA organic foods, is there any GMOs that slip underneath that? Is there any nefariousness going on where even your, G your USDA organic food should be uh, in question? Yeah, it's a great, great thing. You know, one of the... Um, I just want to let you guys know that, you know, because we're very solutions oriented, let me just share something with you. So in 2013, um, we were asked by the raw food health community to help build a standard, a much higher standard for raw and clean food. And I ended up doing this again. We did it as a labor of love. It's part of um, a, a nonprofit that we do to really help the community. And I'll bring it up to you guys here, but it's called Clean Food Certified. And the reason this is important is we created a standard, okay, for raw and clean food that goes beyond just um, beyond just any particular aspect of raw or clean, okay? And what do I mean by that? I mean, uh, just being um, uh, related to, let's say, just being organic. So in this model, we have a multi-part standard, which includes um, the product has to be known to be GMO, I mean, non-GMO, uh, organic, and it has to be, um, it, it has to be um, uh, certified, um, you know, HACCP standards, which means it was produced safely, and it has to have a high bioavailability, and it has to have nu nutritional density. So we created the standard, you know, I ended up doing this for a lot of the new um people who actually wanted farmers, product makers want to do really good food. So when you talk about organic, there are pro products, for example, 
which may say that they're organic, but they may still have lots and lots of pesticide in them. I'll give you an example, uh, which means the levels that they have. So in New Zealand, um, we, we deal with manufacturers who produce great honey. And in order for you to prove that your honey is um, organic, you have to prove that your bees um, uh, did not travel within the three mile radius of their hives to um, pesticide area farms. Very, very difficult to prove. Some of these people will get organic certification. Others won't. But if you look at the ones that did not, that do wild honey, they actually have less pesticides than the, even the organic one, okay, as an example. So the organic certification does not mean that you don't have any pesticides in it. You see, it's based on the levels. So there are a lot of people producing wild crafted foods, and it's hard for them to get organic certification because how can you prove this wild stuff out in nature was not exposed to pesticides? Does that make sense? Yeah, thanks, Matt. Yeah, again, it has to come down to the soil, you know? Let's go to uh, Betty and then A. Santos and then Kathy Wortman. Thanks, Betty. Betty, it's good to have you. Betty, we need you in Alabama to help us collect signatures. So glad you're here. So just remind me. Great. So Betty, let me ask your, answer your question. So look, the organic um, movement really came out of these larger movement of local farmers and all this. Um, so the USDA organic has a certain set of strictures. It does not mean um, if you have organic food, you could have organic food and it has no nutritional density. Okay. You follow what I'm saying? So when we created the clean food certified, we have five elements that had to have. It had to be one is organic, or you can prove that the pesticides levels are even lower or better than what, um, the NOP organic is. That's one non GMO, right? Number three, nutritional density of the food bioavailability of the nutrients, and then the um, safety of how the food is produced. All five. So in our clean food certified, we go after five criteria. And there's very food and there's um, um, really good small producers, small business people would, which achieve that. But organic by in itself is doesn't mean a lot. Like I could produce organic food on a farm, no nutritional density, you know, no vitamins, no minerals, no nutrients. Oh, it's organic. What does that mean? What's the nutritional density of the food? What's the mineral content? You say, so many people know that if you look at 
the uh, you have to eat today probably about 30 to 40 oranges to get the same vitamin C that you used to get from an orange of probably 50, 100 years ago, all right? So a lot of this has occurred because of the mineral depletion in the topsoil and the fact that the soil organisms have been destroyed, the entire ecosystem. So we really need to go back to an understanding of nutritional density. Does that make sense, Betty? So yes, it's important to have it be organic and cleanly produced. But what is the density of that food? Was it safely produced? Okay. You could make something organically produced, but the time it comes to the shelf, it's got all different kinds of crap on it and bacterial content and parasites and you know so on. All right. That's another thing. So that's why we created this multifactorial certification uh, that you'll see on certain foods now. Uh, and it really captures from a systems approach what is good, wholesome food. Thanks, Betty. Let's go over to, um, and by the way, thank you, Betty. Yeah, that presentation, it's up live so you can share that with other people if you really want to educate them on what is, um, you know, what are GMOs and the scam that's going on, the big lie about trying to tell everyone that they're the same as non-GMOs. Let's go to A. Santos. Hi there. Hi, how are you? I just... Good. I just wanted to uh, introduce myself. I've, I've attended quite a few of them. I've always been a wallflower. Um, and I just wanted to let you know, I am local here in, in, in mass. Oh, you are. Okay. Hey, Ken. Yeah. Yeah. I live, I live down in the Southeastern uh, area, but I, I just, it, it's interesting that I don't know my line of work and I don't want to get into it. I've, I've seen some of this GMO stuff where basically I'm out there talking, we're talking with the farmers and all of a sudden, Oh, we just, uh, you know, they've been using regular, they've been farming the regular way. And they said, yeah, in about three years, once we stop using the chemicals, it, it'll be certified organic. I just wanted to let you know about that. Um, but I wanted to ask you this. Do you think these people, is it money driven or these people are just reckless? Or are they really that smart? Which people like a Monsanto Bayer? These yes, yes. Or do you think they're yeah. just reckless, or is it just about the money? Well, I think you have to. What you have to look at is you have to look at it from a system standpoint. In mm -hmm. um, what's your first name, by the way? Uh, my first name is Emerald. It's actually in a different name, so it's oh, oh Emerald. So please get, yeah. please share with Chris right now your contact because we host every third Sundays a meetup here in Boston, Cambridge. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so let, I will. let me just um, look, if you look at all of these companies, they have to um, publicly traded companies have to produce what's called profit, right? Each quarter. And they mm -hmm. have to produce what's called earnings per share. So if you take a company that's over here, the next, next year, they got to show their earnings per share goes up here and here and here and here, right? So their earnings have got to increase for their share price to actually increase. You follow me? Yes. All right. So how do you get that happening? The only way you get that happening year quarter over quarter, year over year, is you have to either write profit is revenue minus expenses. So either you grow your top line in revenue or you reduce expenses. You got it? And you have yes. to do that consistently. So all of these companies ultimately become... Um, engineered to produce a product as the best price as they can produce it and then expand new markets. 
So if Monsanto could only be in the United States, they're not going to, at a certain point, they're going to hit a flat curve, right? Their stock price ain't going to go up. So they got to say, oh, we, let's go to India. Let's go to Africa, right? So they have to keep expanding markets. All right. So that quarter over quarter Wall Street goal to hit numbers drives their, that profit um, drives their um, incentive. You got it? So they have to keep expanding markets. So if they put out a seed, they have to say, okay, we're selling a seed. We got to get recurring revenue. Okay, we're going to create an intellectual property framework. We're going to pay off the judges. We're going to pay off these people. It's a cost of doing business. Okay, we may get sued. Okay, we made 100 billion. We have to pay some guy a billion. It's just a cost of doing business. All right? So they've calculated that. But their goal is to grow their top line and their... Um, and reduce their bottom line year quarter over quarter. And that's how they make profitability for their shareholders. You got me? Yeah. So that's what drives them. Now, the academics who support these companies are driven by control. Monsanto is driven by profit. The politicians are driven by power. So power, profit, control. So Monsanto will pay off the politicians who want to remain in power to vote their way. The academics want control of a narrative because they want to know they, oh, they wrote the paper. They're determining the scientific consensus of a field. So that's their m motivation. So that's why the swarm video is really powerful because it shows it's not any one thing. It's all of these three things aggregated together. Okay. Power, profit, control. And they're trying to maximize it, all of it. And it's not like one person sitting there doing it. Okay. It is the motivator that, um, um, so, so all the things that Monsanto does, monopolistic, dominated by, that's why they had to sell to Bayer because they were getting hit hard by the activism. So they put themselves under a children's, children's uh, aspirin company, right? Oh, wow. They're with Bayer. Oh, Bayer helps kids with headaches, right? Put it, but now Bayer and Monsanto today control over nearly 50 to 60% of the seeds in the world. It's not about GMOs. It's controlling the seed supply, maximization of profit, power, and control, okay? That's what this is about, Emerald. It's not any one thing. It's all three things. Okay, let's go to Kathy. Um, hi, Kathy, go ahead. Yeah, hi. Um, uh, two quick questions. Um, I thought that Europe was... Uh, non-GMO, like they didn't accept GMO seeds in Europe. Is that true? Russia has banned GMOs, okay? Yeah. Um, the European Union, certain parts of it have much more strict guidelines on GMOs. Okay. Okay? So, but Russia has completely banned genetically engineered foods, as far as I know. Okay. okay and the second question I had was... And the, by the farmers, way, there's different... Yeah. There's seeds, right? There's um, animals, right? And there's a whole mm -hmm. council on this. It's called a codex. Um, Michael Hansen used to be on that committee, all right? So there's all these rules and things that they have. So it's not Europe has banned it, but they have different rule sets than the United States does. The U.S. Mm -hmm. is the most lax on it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's like the second question was these farmers' protests that we're seeing in all over Europe. Is there a lot of utility in what they're doing? Like is, are they doing things like, are we gonna see 
results from that? Kind of like our freedom convoy? Yeah. So, so if you look at the freedom convoy, and this is why we should have a huddle, Kathy, sooner than later, is that the these movements are coming up, but they don't have the right theoretical foundation, the framework, so they're bound to fail. So, mm-hmm. you know, the good news is people are fighting. You have to support that, right? And yeah. our movement is going to give them the right framework so they win. But if you look at what's going on in the Netherlands, who's the real enemy of the farmers? The farmers union. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Who's the real enemy of the working people in the United States? The trade union, the unions, because they were taken over. All right? Mm -hmm. So this is one of the fundamental things people need to understand. And as long as people rely on their unions to do anything, nothing's happened. In the United States and Canada, wages have gone down dramatically over the last 50 years because people outsource their fighting to these corrupt unions. Yeah. And this is why you need to build a bottoms up movement. So the good news in the Netherlands that they're doing that, but mm-hmm. there's a part of those movements. If you study them, they're waiting to think the union's going to finally come through and help them. And they should get, lo- let, let go of all those illusions. Just like thinking that Trump or Booby or Biden or Sanders is going to come help you. They're wholly part of it. So the good news is the people of the Netherlands are fighting bottoms up like the truckers movement. Right. But if General Flynn is in control of those movements and fucker Carlson, they're dead on arrival. So the CIA and these operatives, whenever movements come up from below, that's when they heighten their, um, you know, their involvement, acting like they're fighting for them. But they're all their goal is to hijack the movements and make sure they bring it back into the swarm. Yeah. Okay. thank you. Yeah. But but this is what we should talk about. We wrote a I think. um, Hold on. Um, for the truckers, um, when the trucker stuff was going on in Canada, um, I think we have that. Um, if, if Glenn is here, Glenn, do you remember that site that we created? Glenn, are you here? I'll try to find it. Um, but we created a site where we put forward an analysis of what should happen. And um, so, Kathy, let's try to do that. If you send your information to Chris, we need to do a follow-up on that, okay? All right, let's finish up with Bill. Go ahead, Bill. William Burton, we to unmute him mute there we go yeah there you go okay just just one quick question dr stephanie Seneff. yeah in computer analysis at mit you know her she did expose glyphosate she exposed glyphosate yeah let me using systems analysis yeah so stephanie came after us the third floor of the mit group is all cia okay so let me tell you the background of Stephanie. When I did the movie with the Brosnans on Poisoning Paradise, they did not want her in that. So let me, William, you got to understand this very carefully, okay? So we did all this analysis and a, a guy called uh, Anthony Sampson and Stephanie Seneff show up. These people were doing wacky shit. If, if she used systems analysis, that's taken from our work. They came in after the fact, using our language manipulating the industry, just like Mike Lindell did with election systems. So this is what we're trying to, just like fucker Carlson is trying to act like he cares about the backdoor portal into Twitter. 
So Senef just puts out wackadoodle shit so people can attack her stuff. Her stuff is nonsense. It sounds and smells like our stuff. When I was at MIT, the third floor of the MIT Computer Science Building was known as CIA, the Linguistics Department. That's where she comes from. Oh, Chomsky. Well, Senef, okay? And so when oh, I... Well, when, yeah, so Michael Hansen, I respect a lot. So when we did that sixth paper, fifth paper, we called Michael. Michael thought we were part of Senef's group. He goes, I'm staying the hell away from her. Because she was put out... Oh. So her and Anthony Samsel would put all this stuff together looking very complex, but it was bullshit. And they would go publish it in bogus journals. And then Mercola would put them out. Okay. And then they and but and they get this fake credibility. But if you read their shit, it's bullshit. And so the opposition can attack it legitimately. It's like the election system stuff. We put out the real stuff. And then there's a guy called Jovan Pulitzer and Mike Lindell. They started talking about wacky shit. And it's almost like the CIA put them up to it because then the liberal elites could say this is bullshit. And it was bullshit. It's classic disinformation. Okay. All right. So I've been around. the. It's a limit. That's worse. It's a limited hangout disinformation. So one is a limited hangout. You put a little piece of the truth. The other is you take something and then you project it into some other world of nonsense so the opposition can legitimately attack you. And then our work gets subsumed with that. I mean, it is not ironic that we did all the work, MIT, and then suddenly they go find her. And then Booby Kennedy embraces her. Same with Vivek the Snake. You have to understand when the real truth comes out, the establishment is very clever in mimicking it. It's like nature, you know, these chameleons, but they're not the real thing. They're not the real deal. This is why we spend so much effort explaining to people the not so obvious establishment. And she and Kennedy are like this. Booby Kennedy and his whole family, CIA. And this is why movements get hijacked and nothing happens because right when the real stuff comes out, they put the fake version of it. Okay. And you better build the intuition and the consciousness to figure this out. This is why our movement bill is so important because we stand up on our own two feet. We don't suck anyone off. Okay. We don't need anyone. Seriously. This is why they have to shadow ban us. If I were them, I'd shadow ban me. Okay, it's to their detriment to put us on any of their shows because people say, wait a minute, these guys are telling the truth. So I, I see this in every movement, the election system stuff. We did all the stuff on Fauci. Then Booby Kennedy writes a book acting like he's fighting Fauci. Meanwhile, we have the video where he's saying, I believe in full vaccination of all Americans, but I want safe vaccines. Oh, really? How are you going to do that? You see? Senef is full of shit. So call Michael Hansen up. He'll tell you all about her, okay? And Michael is a very well-respected scientist. Um, you know, he, anyway, he's a good guy. All right, everyone, in the interest of time, it's 11-12. Um, um, we are going to call it a day, but I really um, want to ask all of you and request all of you, wherever you are, to 
in the United States, you know, the activities to get us on the ballot. Get involved. If you heard all this for three hours and you um, know that I put a lot of time in, our volunteers did, um, the least you can do is to help us get on the ballot, okay? And you got to do that. Get a bumper sticker, help us get on the ballot. It's not a lot of work. It's a lot of fun. You meet people, okay? Go to Shiva for president. Sign up. We have a volunteer meeting coming Saturday. Anyone outside of the country know that we're creating programs. So Canada, the homework assignment is to make sure by hook or crook we meet this Sunday, okay? To map that out. All right. Everyone else in the U.S., get off your butts and help us get on the ballot, okay? Neither rain nor sleet nor snow will stop us from doing that, okay? Um, in California, we're going to have to get 350,000 signatures, all right? And we do it the good old-fashioned way, okay? We actually go do the work. All right, everyone. Thank you. Um, support what we're doing. Get the news out there, you know, just understand that what you got tonight, you're not going to get this information anywhere about what is a GMO, what is not a GMO, the science, the depth of knowledge. And that is what people deserve. They deserve leaders like myself who do the work that are serious scientists, serious engineers. They have a vision. And most importantly, we have a movement, which is all of you. They don't have a movement. They have people that they have to pay for everything. No one wants to work for these guys. They got to give them money, favors, jobs. People who come to us are doing it for the right reasons, like everyone here tonight. And that's why people are on here for three hours, nearly three and a half hours. All right, everyone, thank you. Be well, be the light, and best to all your families. Um, get involved, get involved, get involved. Uh, I'm just going to turn off the stream here, and I'll um, come back to people on our... Um, I just have to do the outro here. We need to build a bottoms-up movement. Go to shivaforpresident.com and volunteer.